0: Won't you want to dance your mercy and Your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are so. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Put your voice again and sing it out. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are so. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. from this morning. Give him the praise he deserves. Hallelujah, You're so worthy in this place today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so holy. You're so holy. You're so mighty. Thank you, Jesus.
1: visitation preparing the way for the Lord Lord we thank you for your presence thank you for all that you bring with your presence joy in your presence peace in your presence love in your presence everything we need thank you for meeting our needs the needs of each and every one. Thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. Yes. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore.
2: Thank you, Jesus.
1: Amen. Thank Amen. you, Jesus. Well, God bless you. Good morning. Good to see you last Sunday of the year, praise the Lord. How are you today? Are you ready for the new year? Amen. Amen. Looking forward to a year marked by visitation. Praise the Lord. You know what time it is? Yay. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I I got a a verse that I want to go to. Uh, as we talk about this, I've been thinking about this for a bit, and it's from Acts 20. Paul is speaking to the elders at Ephesus in, uh, at, toward the end, and he gets to a statement that he makes. You've heard it quoted here. Acts 20, I'll, I'll uh, starting at verse 33, he says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands, say these hands, have ministered to my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I I looked at that word, these hands, and he says, First of all, he says he's, he doesn't covet what other people have. How many of you think that's a good thing? But you can get into that. You, you can get your eyes on what other people have. And uh, and uh, Paul is saying, no man's silver or gold or apparel. There's nothing anyone has that I want. Why? Because he, he, he can, as he's saying, you know, just learn to do without it. Get your own. yea you yourselves know that these hands say these hands hands. have ministered to my necessities and to them that were with me these hands your own hands you can work with these hands we, we say it in the financial confessions the Lord has blessed the works all the works of these hands so so uh, what, what does that mean? I can, I can meet my needs. Now, this doesn't contradict the Lord supplying your needs. You know that. Because who gives you the power? <laughs> the Lord. But we're looking not to other people. This is the opposite. This is what he's after. So many, so many can, in the church can get their eyes on what other people have, what other people can do for them. They've got their hand out. Paul says in verse 35, I have showed you all things that how that's so laboring. Paul was a tent maker and he says how that's so laboring. Ye ought to support the weak. But we can't support the weak if we're the weak. And if we're not the weak, then who are we? The strong. We're in that group called, he says, ye ought to support the weak. Who ought to support the weak? Not the government. Who, who is he saying? He's pointing to you, the strong, the strong. We are blessed to be a blessing. Not a bless me club, but a blessed to be a blessing club. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if, you, if you're here today and you say, well, something changed in my situation. Uh, well, you can still praise God because it can change. If it went from bad to good, you can give thanks because they can change. It can go from bad to good, and it can go from good to bad. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, It can go from good, bad to good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. In other words, don't get your eyes on the circumstances. Praise the Lord. So if you're in a position that... That you might say, well, I, I'm in support of something. Let the weak say, I am strong. You can, you can get there, even if you're not there. You can get there. And, and where you can say, these hands can minister not just to my necessities, but to those that are with me. I can think about other people. Blessed to be a blessing. And here's the main verse. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed. Say more blessed. To give than to receive. Are you ready to get more blessed? Praise the Lord. Well, there's many ways that we have for you to give. Uh, Some of you already have your envelopes. And if you're giving, if you're with us online, thank you for being with us today and and watching. You also can get in on this Uh, online. We have an app where you can give as well. But let's give as unto the Lord and get more blessed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We lift up our our gifts to you, our substance that we honor you with. We thank you for receiving it. Thank you for increasing us. Thank you for making us the strong, bringing us into 2024 strong. Your will be done. Each of us is a blessing. Each of us, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's a look at what's happening at FWC. If you're a first-time visitor, welcome. We'd love to get to know you better. So if you would, fill out the blue connection card you may have received when you came in. You may then give your card to any usher. We hope you enjoy the service and our complimentary gift.
3: We're preparing
1: to release giving statements for the upcoming tax season. To ensure that you receive your statement, please be sure to completely fill out an end-of-the-year contact card. You may drop it
2: in the offering bucket or give it to any usher. Thank you for your cooperation. Our weekly services are Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Tuesday morning prayer school at 11 a.m., and the Wednesday evening hour of power at 7 p.m.
1: If you missed any of these announcements, you may refer to our weekly bulletin, website, or church app.
2: May Praise the Lord. Good morning. good morning. So good to see all of you. This is Family Sunday. As most of you know the drill, all the kids are in except for nursery kids and we will receive communion today together at the end of the message. We're really thankful for that privilege. It's it's a great honor to get to do that and so I hope that you are ready for what the Lord has to say to us today and of course I want to uh, also say how glad we are to see all of you on this holiday. We don't have everybody back from all their travels yet, but uh, it's good to see all of you here today. I hope you had a merry Christmas. Uh, if there's anybody here who didn't eat too much, raise your hand. We have a prize for you, uh, Susan and Cecil. Oh, I'm just joking about the prize, but <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could give you a piece of pie since you didn't uh, overdo it. <laughs> I didn't think anybody's going to raise their hand. Got to be careful, don't you? Praise the Lord. Well, anyway, uh, as we work to lose the weight and, and all the stuff that we have to do after Christmas, uh, I'm glad you chose to come today and be a part of this service. And we're very thankful to see all of you. And of course, this has been a wonderful year. 2023 has just been a wonderful year of breakthroughs and blessings. You remember that's the thing that the Lord spoke to us about the year as a prophetic word that 2023 will be a year of breakthrough breakthroughs and blessings and uh, there were so many of those testimonies that came through 2023 and one of the most outstanding of the last uh, few weeks that came to me was of someone who had been offered uh, a position and of course accepted a position of a job that they wanted with a 35% pay increase isn't that something praise the lord Talking about breakthroughs and blessings, and of course, we've just had so many, just a stream of testimonies of what God has done. It's been a record year for us as a church. We have uh, had more people come through the doors than in any other year before we have received more in income as a church, and we have given more, way more than we've ever given before. We're very thankful, very appreciative of the privilege to be a part of what God's doing in the kingdom today. Amen. Amen. And so it is good to see all of you. Very good to have Matt and Allison back up with us from North Carolina. Praise the Lord. Very thankful to have you. Uh, You know, you you can just come up and stay if you want to. That's fine with us. Praise the Lord. We're glad to have all of you. And Jason's brother, Justin, good to have you and your family here today. All of you who are here. I I know I'm probably missing somebody, but I know those names. And so... uh, We're just glad to see all of you. And it's really good. I heard him chuckling. I'm glad to have Nick back. (laughs) Amen. I'm sure nobody else was, but I was scraping the bottom of the barrel, so I'm glad you finally got back. Amen. (laughs) 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 Hallelujah. So many people gone at once. Uh, But anyway, thank God we have some wonderful and faithful people. I want to begin today with a declaration of my faith. And uh, then we'll get into the message for the morning. I believe and I declare that I am who the Word says I am. I am a righteous new creature in Christ Jesus. I declare that I have what the Word says I have. The life of God and the blessing of Abraham is mine. I can do What the Word says I can do, which is all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm so thankful today that I learned a long time ago that I am who the Word says I am. I don't look to the mirror to tell me who I am. I don't even look to my parents to tell me who I am. I don't look to... The society that we're in today, the culture we're in today, I don't look to any of that. My past, where I came from, what I had or didn't have growing up, none of that is what determines who I am. It's what the Word says. Because everything before Christ is gone, and the old is passed away, and everything has become new. And if you today do not have that kind of an experience with Jesus then you need that today. Before you leave here, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord because he is the only one who can make that kind of a radical and drastic change in your life. And even if, as Derek says, if things might be going pretty well, I can tell you that if if you will really allow the Lord to lead your life and direct you, it will get even better. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to do something a little different than we normally do. Um... Usually, we're on a subject, uh, some kind of a topical teaching ministry type thing, or we're doing some kind of a doctrinal study, uh, some kind of a, you know, those kinds of standard type things, which is wonderful and good. But because this is the last day of the old year, 2023, and we're beginning starting midnight tonight, one second after midnight, we'll be in the new year, 2024. I want to deal with something that the Lord spoke to us prophetically uh, about this year. As I've already pointed out, God so wonderfully uh, fulfilled His word to us last year. And uh, we received on the first day of October a fresh word from the Lord about us here. Now, you do understand that no prophecy that's given today has the equivalency of the prophetic word that was written as Scripture. So I'm not trying to... Uh, say anything that's just you know not so here today, but I do believe in prophecy, don't you? I believe that God speaks supernaturally to people. I think He speaks individually to people and He leads them and calls them and, and lets them know what He wants them to do. And I also believe that God speaks to churches individually. I believe that people who are connected to a church through their service, Through their giving, through their attendance, through their attention to what's being said there and done there, I believe that God knits those people together as a family like he has done us. And uh, so there are times when a word will come to the church and we all uh, can receive it and run with it as we say. So as I said, this will be a little different today, but I want to ask you to first begin with me in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20. While you're finding that passage, I will mention to you something most of you already know, that when Paul outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 what we call the gifts of the Spirit or manifestations of the Spirit, when he did that, he listed nine gifts that were active in that day and are active today for any church or any individuals who will receive them and and uh, have them and uh, he listed those nine gifts and they naturally fall into three groups of three each uh, there were gifts of power that he mentioned the working of miracles gifts of healings and the gift of special faith that's a, the, the degree of faith beyond saving faith or what we call general normal faith and then there are three gifts that say something Th- those first three are miraculous gifts they do something The next group say something. That's the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, which is, of course, when tongues come from the Holy Spirit to be used into a congregational setting that need to be interpreted because it's not prayer per se or praise per se or direct communication with God individually, but it has something for the entire congregation. That's diverse kinds of tongues when the second gift is the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And the third gift is the gift of prophecy, which is a supernatural utterance in a known language. And uh, then there are three gifts that reveal something, the word of wisdom. This is not just somebody who's a smart guy. Uh, Thank God for smart guys and gals, but it's, it's supernatural. If one of these gifts are supernatural, they all are. And if they all are supernatural, then we need to find out what do these... Uh, Gifts really consist of so the word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation about things that are coming in the future A word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of things that are in the present or the past that That uh, things that we don't know naturally, but are revealed by the Holy Spirit And then the third one is the gift of the discerning or the seeing of spirits And that's one way that demons can be recognized and then of course dealt with and so forth and so on but um We believe in these gifts and we believe that they manifest today and so when paul wrote to the thessalonian church he said these words in chapter 5 and i said verse 20 i think to you but i actually want to start with verse 19 verse 19. now remember you have got to understand the only way the new testament fully and completely makes sense to us the only way you can read the new testament completely And not just leave out whole chunks of it and just say we don't understand, it's a mystery, so we don't talk about it. The only way you can really understand it is to understand that the New Testament was written by people who were spirit-filled and spoke in tongues, just like the day of Pentecost. That's where this all came from. And they were writing to congregations and or individuals that they understood, believed the same thing, and had the same experience, or at least wanted it and were going to have it. And so that's the way this makes sense. So when Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, he said, quench not the spirit. Don't put out the fire, don't put out the light, quench not the spirit. There are things in the church that the Spirit of God wants to do. And notice he's writing to a, a, a church in Thessalonica. This is, this is uh, not a Jewish group of believers. This is far from Jerusalem None of the people in Thessalonica would have been uh, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. They wouldn't have been in Antioch, that great sending church where Paul and and Silas were originally sent from. That's not uh, where this was at all. And so far flung from Jerusalem over into the Roman Empire, we, we have this church. And why would he say this if it wasn't a temptation to do it? Quench not the Spirit. You see, we all have in us this natural... A tendency to just want to be cool. Of course, I know I'm really not cool, and the older you get, the more uncool you are. That's the fact. But there are many benefits to getting older. One of them is people don't expect you to have the same filter. You can just say a lot of stuff and get away with it when you get older. But anyway, we won't go into all of that today. That's not our subject. But the point is, uh, there is a tendency within all of us to kind of want to stay in our comfort zone. We want to stay in the place where we're comfortable. We, we want to stay, you know, where we can know what's next. And I tell you that I, I feel sure that uh, if we did the top 10% of people in this congregation today that are kind of control freaks, I'd be in that bunch. <laughs> I, I know I would be in that bunch. I know that's something I have to work on. I know that's something that I've had to deal with a lot, and I'm still not finished dealing with it, because I like things my way. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I understand Frank Sinatra's song, but I know it's not really a spiritual song, and it's not the song we want to live by, but but I understand wanting things your way. And I, I like things cut and dried. I like things planned out. I like to know uh, where I'm going. And uh, and the more like that you are, sometimes the more difficult it is to Yield to the Holy Spirit and not quench the Spirit. Because, you know, we, we, we have the thing of trying to figure it all out logically and all the rest. Well, Paul knew that people like us would be in the church. He knew that we were going to be around. And so he gives us this word. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit, you know, talking through him. And he says, quench not the Spirit. So it's important that we yield to the Spirit whether we're comfortable or not. Whether it's cool or not, whether it's fashionable or not, it's very important. Because Paul knew, as should we, that anything done apart from the Holy Spirit is not really worth much. I mean, I understand you don't have to be greatly anointed to put a load of laundry in the washer. And I understand you don't have to be greatly anointed to sweep the kitchen floor and all the stuff that people do. But I'm talking about, and I'm sure he was referring to, when we gather and when we come for this special time every week that we come to honor and magnify God, not just to see people, though that's good, not just to do stuff socially, though that's good, but when we come first and foremost to worship the Lord and with our praises, as the psalmist tells us, to build a habitation that he can dwell in, this becomes so important that we don't quench the Spirit. I mean, if, if the Spirit, as we say, lands on or favors a certain song, that's one reason we'll sing it more than once. A lot of our worship services do not happen as they were planned, as far as how many times we'll do it. As a matter of fact, many times we don't know going into it where we're going to be. Now, I'll tell you, if you're not used to that, that's a scary thing. And so that's one reason we didn't hand you a bulletin telling you when to get up and when to sit down and when everything was going to happen because we don't always know. <laughs> and so, you know, you just get used to that if you do it long enough, but it is so important not to quench the spirit. And then the next verse says, despise not, what's the word? Prophesyings. Despise not prophesyings. Now, the word despise there in uh, the original. Uh, is not real. we don't use, that word was not used like we most of the time use despise in modern English. Because most of the time in modern English when somebody says they despise something or despise someone, that means they utterly detest and hate and find despicable whatever they're referring to or whomever they're referring to. But that's not what this word means. This word simply means to uh, esteem lightly. To take for granted, you might say. To just act like it's unimportant. To despise prophesying, Paul said, would be for us to take these supernatural utterances that come from God and treat them like they're not really important. Treat them like they don't mean anything and like we're not even sure if we like them. And why would he say that, as a matter of fact? Why would he need to say that? Well, because evidently in the early church, there was so much prophesying and so much manifestation of the Spirit, which we know is a good thing, but evidently people started to take for granted the things of God. And evidently also there would have been abuses, because we know Paul wrote to the Corinthians to correct abuses and to give us order, and so we're thankful for those instructions that we have, that God is not the author of confusion and so forth and so on. We, we know that. But so it's easy for people to just decide this is too much trouble. Even Pentecostal churches, uh, charismatic churches, that it's just too much trouble. We don't want to sort through. We don't want to judge things. We don't want to work on that. So we'll just kind of either not have it or we'll put it off in the back room somewhere. Or we'll do the really spiritual stuff, quote unquote, after we actually dismiss. Everybody's gone. All the visitors are gone. So nobody gets offended. How many of you know that stinks? (laughs) Just to be honest with you. Because the Holy Spirit, we sung that song today, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. There are things He wants to do and say. And so when the Holy Spirit, when we believe the Holy Spirit has truly manifested by a certain manifestation of the Spirit, one of the gifts of the Spirit, and certainly through utterance gifts has spoken to us as an individual or as a church, we know it doesn't supersede Scripture. All that has to be judged by Scripture. Scripture is the foundation. Scripture is the yardstick. We understand that. But if we believe God's truly spoken by His Spirit, then we don't have a right to despise it. We need to deal with it. We need to run with it. I told you a few minutes ago about the testimony of that tremendous uh, pay increase and in new job for someone. And one of the things they begin with in telling me that testimony was that they, they, they brought up that word from the Lord about the year 2023. And so I know that when we uh, look at this, some people will forget it. Some people won't pay much attention to it. Some people will despise it. But there'll be a group of people here that will receive this. And those are people that are going to have what that word from the Lord talks about. Now let's go to 1 Timothy. We're going to look at that word in a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Timothy 1 and 18. And by the way, I want to thank all of you for your giving to the proclaimer, The Faith Cometh by Hearing Ministry. We were able to wire $5,000 this week, and that money was doubled, so that turned into a $10,000 uh, offering for sending the gospel. Amen. That's really good. Amen. But anyway... Uh, that's not on the on the message, but I thought of it, and I'd have to do while I'm thinking about it. But I want you to look at 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 18. Paul says to Timothy, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the what? Prophecies. Are those recorded anywhere? Well, we really don't have them recorded, do we? Uh, Paul knew what he was talking about. Obviously, Timothy knew what he was talking about. But this was what we would call a personal word that had come to Timothy by the by the gifts of the spirit. He says, I commit unto thee, son Timothy, or this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them by what? By the prophecies mightest war a good warfare. So we see here an aspect of these kinds of words that we can actually do some spiritual battle here. We can actually use these in our spiritual walk day by day. They're actually worth something. They're not just something we transcribe and write down and print out and forget, but these are something that we can look back at, we can meditate on, and we can think about and uh, believe God for their their manifestation. So with that in mind, I want to read to you what uh, came forth by the Holy Spirit to us on October the 1st of this year. And we began with... Some praise, and then we uh, moved into an area where the Lord was speaking to us by gifts of the Spirit. I'm praising now because the future is bright. Things are on the horizon. The best is yet to come. We are entering the best quarter of 2023, and I want to declare to you this will be the best quarter of the year. In the name of Jesus, this will be the best quarter of the year. That's you know, three times emphasized to us. Hallelujah, and it is going to open the way, and this is what I particularly want to, to, uh, you to listen to at this point, it is going to open the way for the year 2024, which will be a year of visitation from God. People will dream dreams, and people will see visions, and people will hear the voice of the Lord in ways they have never heard Him before. It will even begin before the end of this year. 2024 will be a great year of visitation in this place. Uh, I like that phrase, in this place. So you know sometimes people's answers in church, but they weren't here. So they missed it. Great visitation in this place. And for those who are committed and connected and partnered here. Notice those three words, committed, connected, and partnered here. They will receive this kind of blessing and visitation of the Lord. This year of breakthrough and blessing, 2023 is what was referred to there, will lead us into times of His presence and visitation that is going to be so glorious. Right now, we are entering into it. It's upon us, and we can rejoice in it right now. And, of course, we stood up, and we rejoiced, and we shouted, and we praised the Lord. Amen. Now, let's, let's look at uh, the definition of visitation. What, do, what does that mean? What, what is that saying to us? Well, visitation means a special dispensation of divine favor or divine wrath. That's what a visitation from God means. In Scripture, it's both positive and negative. It was never negative until after the fall, but it means a special dispensation of divine favor or wrath. How many want a special dispensation of divine favor? Amen. Now let's go to First Peter, chapter two. First Peter, chapter two, and let's look at a passage of scripture, a verse actually, where um, the word visitation is used, and we're going to look at it a little bit in detail. First Peter, chapter two, and we're going to look at verse number twelve. Well, we should look at verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation, and that means your manner of life. It would include what you talk about, but it includes your entire manner of life. Having your conversation or your manner of life honest among the Gentiles. That's, you know, the non-believer, the non-Jew, non-believer that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation. God's Word translation renders that last phrase this way. On the day He comes to help you. Visitation. On the day He comes to help you. The Amplified Classic says... In the day of inspection, as a pastor or shepherd looks over his sheep, the NIV says, on the day he visits us. So we could say it this way, it's when God shows up. Yes. Now somebody might say, and they're, they're accurate, well God is always here, he's omnipresent, that's part of the nature of God. And because I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and I'm in fellowship with God, He's in me. So wherever I go, uh, God is going. And that's, that's true, and that's a marvelous truth. But this term of visitation and this whole idea has to do with the tangible presence of God coming in His glory and power in such a way that you know God is in the room you ever been in any of those meetings? I remember being in a meeting one time in Charlotte where I was ministered to by the laying on of hands, and the power of God overcame me. It just so hit me, as we say, that I fell on the floor on my back, and I just was pinned. I know that sounds strange, and that may sound hard to believe, but I could not get up. And I stayed there and I stayed there and I stayed there. And the minister was going around. This was a large hotel ballroom. And there were so many people that were there to receive by the laying on of hands. That's one of the fundamental doctrines of of Christ that we see in Hebrews chapter six. And there were so many people that wanted to receive that they were lined up all the way across the front, all the way down the side, out the doors that was on the back doors that was on the like to my right in this auditorium, and they were down the hallway, and this is a big hotel complex, back up through that door and back up to the side and all the way down. There were hundreds of people. All of them had gone before I could get up. That's If you know me, that's not my nature. And the oddest thing happened when I finally kind of uh, you know got able to to get up and we wanted to to leave to go to the room and this was a this was a large uh, hotel complex so we were actually staying in the hotel upstairs and uh, Glenna was with me and uh, I I couldn't speak to her in English I couldn't and uh, this has never happened to me before like this and I, we got back to the room, and I was in the room, and then a little at a time, I could, you know, speak in English. Now that's never happened to me since. And when, as I began to to uh, be able to communicate normally and naturally, it certainly wasn't uh, anything that was blasphemous. It wasn't anything from the devil. It was obviously from the Holy Spirit. I think about, you know, everybody's familiar with John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. Um, Wesley. Uh, one time I had, uh, in one of his meetings, there was a woman who just fell out under the power of God. You know, you can read about this in the Great Awakenings in the United States, and you can read about it in ministries like George Whitfield would preach in open air meetings, and people would get up in the trees to, uh, to hear him, and he would warn them. He'd say, you better get down out of the trees, because when the power of God fell, they would fall. They'd fall out of the tree. You say, why would God do that? You'll have to ask him. I do know this, that when the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, something's going to give, and it ain't God. Yeah. Amen. Amen? And so, um, uh, Wesley, you know, this lady fell out, and, and uh, they weren't used to that in those meetings, uh, you know, because Wesley started his ministry in the Church of England. He was an Anglican. And, you know, they, they threw him out and wouldn't allow him to preach in Anglican churches, and so uh, I don't know exactly where this meeting was being held, but this, pers- this, this lady had fell out. And people, you know, they first said, is there a doctor in the house? And there was. And a doctor came and examined the lady and said, I don't know what this is. There was a hypnotist in the house that had come to these meetings, you know. When, things, when the Lord gets moving, all kinds of people show up to see what's going on. And he looked at the woman and he said, well, she's not hypnotized. It seems like there was somebody else, some specialist of some sort in those days that looked at her, and nobody knew what was going on. So Wesley told the crowd, he said, well, we're just going to wait and see what she says when she comes back out of this. And, uh, And so they waited and waited, and if I remember the story correctly, about 45 minutes later, she began to come to herself, and some of her first words were, praise the Lord. Wesley told the crowd, he said, well, we know where it came from. Because you know every spirit that doesn't testify Jesus came in the flesh is the spirit of Antichrist. It's not from God. So we understand how important that it is that we not only respect the word of the Lord, but that we are hungry for God to visit us when God shows up. A visitation is a visit in an official capacity. An official capacity. When somebody shows up in their official capacity, maybe they come to inspect something, maybe they come to bestow something, maybe they come to make a statement, whatever it might be. We see this in the political world, we see it in the natural world in many ways, but when God shows up, He shows up in an official capacity with a purpose. Everybody say, with a purpose. See, this is not about spiritual games. This is not about just something so we can talk about how wild we got in church and you know, all that. That's not what it's about at all. It's about the presence of God. And you've got to understand that God's visitations into the earth are not new. They're not something that's never happened before. You remember, don't you, in your Bible that God visited Adam every day. Every day he had a visitation. And uh, when he came down with Adam, and I don't know all that they discussed, but he gave Adam a certain uh, degree of authority, gave him authority over the earth, told him to name the animals, all the things that Adam was responsible for. He was the little L, Lord, or little G, God of this world. He wasn't God creator. He wasn't God sovereign and God omnipotent, but he was the ruler of this world. You know that 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that Satan is now in that position, See, Adam sold out. He committed high treason, and the devil became, to a degree, a ruler. He's not God either, and he's not sovereign either, but, but he has a degree of authority until his lease is up, and that's going to happen, I believe, sooner rather than later, amen? But the point is, uh, God and Adam would have communicated about a lot of things, and one day when God came down, his inspection found that Adam had committed treason, and Adam had fallen He had spiritually died. And you know what happened? The daily visits stopped. And I don't know, because the Bible doesn't tell us, but I would assume that that's probably one of the things that Adam missed the most. That was probably one of the things that was the biggest void that he had in life after that, was that those visitations from God were over. So times of visitation from God now included both dispensations, remember our definition, both dispensations of his favor and now dispensations of his wrath. But what you and I need to know today is that the fall didn't change God's desire to visit with us. The fall did not take away from God's love for us. But what happened was in the fall, man changed natures. He changed his spiritual father. And what happens to a fallen man is that now, oddly enough, getting too close to the presence of God would be something that could destroy a fallen man. God wanted to put his arms around his creation. He wanted to visit every day. He wanted this close fellowship and communion. But it was sin that separated. And so what did God do? He immediately went to work, putting his word into the earth for the coming word that would be made flesh, the Savior, the Messiah, whose birth we just celebrated. And and God wanted to get back on track. And so God, when he could, when, when it was possible to do so, he looked for times and places and people with whom he could visit. Now, if you look in the book of Genesis, and I'm going to run through these real quickly, and, and we're not going to be able to have time to, to look at them and study from them, but these are, these are good uh, examples. And you, if you're taking notes, you can jot down some of the scriptures. But uh, the Bible tells us that the Lord appeared to Abraham three different times in the book of Genesis. Three different times in Jacob, uh Jacob's life uh, in Genesis chapter thirty two that's when Jacob, you know wrestled with the angel most most Bible students and scholars believe that was you know an Old Testament manifestation of Jesus of the word um, and and he wrestled all night and said, "I'm not going to let you go till you bless me." He got his blessing, committed to tithe ten percent of all that he would ever be blessed with, if he would be able to, you know, get back to his father's house in peace. Actually, he did that on the way over, I'm sorry. But, but you see, God visited Jacob. And then in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2, God told Moses when he appeared to him in the burning bush, take your shoes off for you're standing on holy ground. Moses had a visitation. In Second Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon, the son of David, had a visitation from God. And that's when Solomon asked him for wisdom, you remember. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, after the temple was completed and built, the glory of God, the Bible says, filled the house of God. And you know what happened? The priests could not stand to minister. They couldn't stand up. As all the people were as one with all the instruments and all the voices, making this, this sound of praise to God, the glory of God like a cloud came down and filled the house of the Lord. And the priests fell under the power of God. That's in Second Chronicles 5. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 is the vision Isaiah had of seeing the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That marvelous visitation from God when the Lord spoke to him. In the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel had a visitation from God. And then of course in the New Testament, and I'm not giving you all of them, these are just a few select ones, but the, in the New Testament, the church at Pentecost on, in Acts chapter 2 had a divine visitation. And they were forever changed. Now, these people were born again. You say, how do you know? Because the 120 were there because of Jesus' command, a command given after he rose from the dead. These people believed that Jesus had died, and they believed that he had been risen from the dead. And they accepted his claims as being who he was. And actually, if you go over to the book of John, chapter, I think it's 21 or 22, you'll see that Jesus, to a certain to a group of them, breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. They were born again. They had received the the, the change that comes when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. And so they were they were saved people. But on the day of Pentecost, they were filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. And when they, when they were filled to overflow, what came out was a river of living water, and it included this strange language that they didn't know what they were saying that was so powerful. And it was testified that those who did speak languages that somebody else understood heard them speaking of the wonderful works of God. It was amazing. And so they received the visitation. And then, you know, in Acts chapter 9, The apostle Paul, who then was called Saul of Tarsus, he received a visitation from the Lord. And as he fell to the earth and he confessed Jesus as his Lord, he said, Lord, who art thou? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. Uh, Why do you, you know, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In other words, uh, you you know, you're, you're, you're hurting me. Well, he was hurting the church. But we see how close God considers the church. We're the body of Christ. And then in Revelation chapter one, you'll see that God visited John on the Isle of Patmos, and he saw Jesus in His glorified state. Now I think it must have been interesting for the Apostle John to have seen that marvelous glorification. You know, his feet like fine brass, burning in a furnace; his uh, sash around his his middle of you know gold, and it was just amazing. It's wonderful. And so the reason I wanted to Show you these examples, give you those scriptures, and of course, we could talk about each one of them for a good while, but we won't. But I want you to understand that when we hear from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, that He is wanting to make this year a year of visitation, that we need to have some expectation for something that's more than church as usual. We're not looking for a repeat of even last year, as good as that was or a repeat of several years ago, what we're looking for is a fresh visitation from the Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, and as I said earlier, this is kind of different than we normally do on Sunday mornings, but we've got to follow the Holy Spirit, and we've got to get ready for this new year that's upon us, praise the Lord. Acts chapter (coughs) 3, and we want to look at verse number 19. Peter's preaching here and he says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the what times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. So this whole idea of a fresh visitation, a powerful manifestation of God through the Holy Spirit to the church is not new. It's not strange. It's not unbiblical. It's not unscriptural. And we were—we did not, I promise you this, I know this for a fact, nobody, as far as I know, I know I certainly didn't, come to church on Sunday, October the 1st, thinking that we're going to get up and deliver this prophetic word, and it's going to say this, this, and this, and this is what we're going to do, and this is our, quote, plan for next year. Now, I believe in planning. I believe in goals. I believe... Uh, you know, an organization, that's all good, that, that's important, but that's not what this was. In the course of that service, as we were worshiping the Lord and as we were getting into His presence, that's when this unction, this anointing, this word from the Lord began to come, and if you've ever been used in an utterance gift, whether it's interpretation of tongues or whether it's a gift of prophecy, you know that when you begin to speak, you do not know generally the whole message you start. It's amazing. God always has us walking by faith, not by sight in every aspect of our lives, especially those things that involve ministry and and serving Him in, in, a, in a corporate setting, church setting. So this wasn't planned, but God had a plan, and He began to speak to us. And I personally believe that one of the reasons He told us about it in October was because He knew that I would need some time to digest and prepare and get ready as a pastor how to minister concerning this and then how we would do things in 2024 for a year visitation. And I don't know about all the rest of you, but I am excited about it. Praise the Lord. I really am. I'm excited about it. Now, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. You didn't know when you came today you are going to get to look at so many verses, did you? We don't always look at this many, but it's needful today. Luke chapter 10. And uh, Glenna, some of you might have seen something she posted the other day about uh, this passage. And uh, I told her that I was going to use it and not give her credit, but I was just joking (laughs) about that part. Um, But this is a really, really good example of um, how to handle a visitation from the Lord. In Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he, that's Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered or burdened about much serving. So Martha was you know the the make it happen, the organizational person. I have in my own mind she must have been an excellent cook and she wanted to see to it everything was right and if you know anything about the customs of the Middle East in that day and even to this present day the idea of, of having guests eat with you was was fundamental. It's just it's just the way that it is. And so this, in her mind, obviously had to be right. Because of all people, here is Jesus, this itinerant prophet, preacher, teacher, miracle worker, healer. Here is this person like no other on the planet they had ever seen or experienced, and he's coming to my house, Martha would have said, you know. And so she was cumbered about much-serving and came to him she came to Jesus she was so carried away and caught up with her deal and what she wanted to do she said lord dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone bid her therefore that she help me i've got beans to string i've got i've got uh, tea to make i've got you know i've got uh, chicken to fry i've got all this stuff And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, now you know you're in trouble when he calls your name twice. It's like some of you when your mother used your middle name, your full name, you knew you were in trouble. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. These are two very different ways to prepare, to expect, and anticipate for a visitation from the Lord. One is to look only at the natural. And let me say it's important. Somebody has to clean the toilets. Somebody has to vacuum the carpets. Somebody has to do all the stuff that has to be done. And it can be done with the anointing. I mean, whatever you do in the house of the Lord, you need to do it as unto the Lord, and you need to do it with the anointing. But there is also another aspect to preparation and cooperation with God's visits, and that is that we give Him the proper place and our attention. That we don't make an idol... Out of the stuff we do instead of keeping Jesus as Lord in the center. You know, I don't know if she was thinking about it, but she was actually hosting a guy who could take whatever she gave him and multiply it and feed everybody. So we have to, you know, we have to keep the balance that's needed. But he did point out to her that Mary chose the good part. Mary chose that which was spiritual. She chose to sit at his feet and to hear from the Lord. And he said that will not be taken away from her. And so we need to realize that as we prepare for a year of visitation, that yes, we need to cross the T's, dot the I's. God is a God of excellence. You can't look at creation and not know that he is a God of order and excellence. But that is not the first priority. That should just be a matter of course we take care of. It's just how we live. And we get that done as quickly and efficiently as possible so we can get to the better thing, the good thing, and grow spiritually and and grow in our relationship with God. There are three words that have to do with a visitation from God. One is expectation. That has to do with faith. If you despise this word from the Lord given to this church, then you won't have expectation. You'll not be in faith for it, and uh, there's not much that's going to happen for you in that regard. But if you take it and believe it, then you're in expectation, and you're walking by faith. Number two, the second word is preparation, and that's what James uh, calls, uh, well, the old King James uses works, but If you could look at a more modern translation, it will say corresponding actions. It's not like working for salvation and that kind of thing. No. It means that if we believe something, we have corresponding actions. Faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. So if we believe that in a visitation from the Lord, then we are going to have some actions that would prepare for that. Preparation. And then number three, the third word is cooperation. Cooperation. And that has to do with obedience. And that has to do with doing what he tells you to do, both before you get to church, after you leave church, and especially while you're here at church. A lot of people want to dictate to God how he is going to be God. They want to kind of put him in this box that suits them. Uh, God, don't embarrass me. God, don't ask me to stretch out of my comfort zone. God, don't ask me to you know, be too involved. You know, all their conditions But as I've said before, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but yet we see some truth here. He really thinks he's God. And he really knows I'm not. And so that's not really going to work with God. I'm going to have to yield. I'm going to have to obey. You know, there have been times when I've ran around this building. I know that looks silly to some people. I know that seems unfathomable to people. And some of you have. As well, I'm thinking about Matt here. He can really run. He's like a gazelle going around here. It's amazing. Makes you want to get out your rifle and <laughs> see, you know. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I mean, you know, something moving that fast, could I hit it, you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, you say, well, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, I. Go ask Elijah, why do they have to run back to Jezreel? I mean, can you imagine what Ahab thought when he was in his fancy chariot and those horses were, were running along and he had the best horses in the land? They would have been flying back to Jezreel uh, because uh, Elijah had already told him, get up and get back because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain." Oh, hallelujah, there was a spiritual thing happening and a natural thing about to happen. And all of a sudden, Ahab's in that chariot, and the driver is driving, I'm sure, lashing those horses, and they're just going and on and on, just like, you know, a, a, a Cecil B. DeMille movie, you know, here they go down that road. And all of a sudden, Ahab stands there, and here goes this little prophet, and running up and kind of waving at him, you know, like. I do some of y'all on the way home from church, you know, just wave at you as I go by. Here was Elijah running, and he'd pulled his skirts of his garment up, so, you know, his knees are showing. His bony, probably pale knees, they're showing. And here he is running and out runs a chariot and the horses. Whoo, glory, when God's power gets on you, you'll do things you wouldn't normally do. Hallelujah. You'll say things you wouldn't normally say. You'll move out of your comfort zone, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and great things will happen. And that's the same Spirit that will heal your body. That's the same Spirit that will give you enlightenment and direction. And that's the same Spirit that will empower you and enable you to do everything God's called you to do and make your life a blessed life to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Forget about what other people think or say. You know, they, they think you're crazy being here anyway. Like I was thinking about Doug and Regina. They told a story here a few months ago. They were in a grocery store. And he got to, Doug got to talking to the, to the guy, nice old guy. They're talking about you know, church, the things of God, and so on and so forth. And, and the guy asked Doug, said, well, where do you all go to church? They said, Freedom Word Church. He turned around and walked away and never even said another word to him. So you're already caught. They saw your car. (laughs) So you might as well have some fun. I tell people that all the time. I think they think I'm joking. I tell people, I've told people on all kinds of places, we have fun. We have fun. And we do. You know, I mean, I don't drink. I don't smoke dope. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm not. You know, my earnings don't come from poker games. I mean, you know, there's a a lot of stuff that I know that I'm not supposed to do. So, if I'm going to have fun, I basically have to do it at church. (laughs) Amen? Bad joke, but anyway. Now, if we live in expectation, we practice preparation, and we're willing to be in cooperation then what we need to understand is that we can expect impartation and some glorification. Now, you know, none of these things I can take as much time as we want to, but uh, impartation is when something comes to you from God. I don't know what impartation you may need. You may be in dire need of a word of wisdom. You may need direction from God, where to go, what to do, what, what decision to make. You might be in dire need of healing in your body. There might be something physically that's wrong that can't be fixed by medical science, and the only way it's going to get fixed is if God fixes it for you. You might be in a mental state where depression and oppression is just hounding you and harassing you, and you need uh, to be free from this this thing and uh, this this oppression of the devil. And, and and no person can really do that for you. They can't just tell you jokes and make you laugh and, and cause all that to go away. You've got to have a supernatural move of God. Uh, it, you know, it could be a financial need. It might be that there's just absolutely no way that you can see your way through. Uh, you know, it looks like bankruptcy is the only uh, option. Or or you doesn't look like you'll ever have what you really dream about or hope to have. You know, any number of things. I don't know what they are. But God can impart the actual gift you need, make the change you need, or give you the wisdom you need to get where you want to go. Amen. And as I said earlier, the answer is in His presence. I know people watch online, and there are people who watch from other states. We even have people who watch from other countries. And I understand they can't be here. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that. We appreciate that they're watching. But if you can be here, You need to be here because this is a place where supernatural things happen and supernatural things are imparted. And then when we receive that impartation, there's a degree of his glory. You say, what do you mean his glory? Well, in the Old Testament, the word glory was kabod. It it means heavy. It means everything that God is and everything that God has. You see, when we talk about a visitation, and I want to close with this. If you guys want to come on, you're welcome to. Uh, But when we talk about a visitation, we're talking about God coming to visit. And many of us have had company, you know, overnight or maybe for several days. And what happens when those people come? They bring stuff with them. Don't they? Well, you know, when God comes to visit, he brings all his stuff. He never shows up broke. He never shows up weak. He never shows up and comes in and says, I'm so tired. These humans, they have worn me out. When we pass that 7 billion mark, I'm telling you, they just worn me out. And I, I don't know. No, he, he never does that. That's never the attitude of God. Every time he shows up, he brings all his stuff with him. And he, he brings all that he is with him and all that he has And when that begins to manifest and that is poured out, that's when change comes. Now, there are a lot of ways that God ministers, and there are many ways that He uses people to ministry the laying on of hands, anointing with oil, uh, certain spiritual manifestations, words that come, like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, we talked about before. There are a lot of ways that God ministers, but I want to submit to you that one of the most powerful ways that you can ever receive an impartation from God is to be in a place where God shows up in His glory. He's always there. He's always omnipresent. He is God. And He's inside of you. He's always there. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. But when He shows up in His tangible glory and He manifests Himself in His power, those are the meetings when You don't have to have anybody to touch you. You don't have to have anybody to prophesy directly and specifically to you. That's when you receive an impartation. And the glory of God changes you forever. And those are the meetings we're expecting to have. Those kinds of services. And I believe that God wants to touch people even today. Even today he wants to touch us. So before we receive our communion this morning, could you come back, Mariah, and sing that song again? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I mean, at least sing some of it for us. And we're going to sing it together. I'm through preaching today. If you call this preaching, I'm through talking, whatever. It's been different, but we're getting ready for the best year we've ever had. That's not just preacher talk. That's not just hype. 2024 for us. For those connected here, those partnered here, and those who serve here will be the best year we've ever had. Let's stand up in the presence of the Lord and worship as we welcome the Holy Spirit's presence in this place today. You, Jesus, we give you thanks, just sing to the Lord a moment, hallelujah, 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 oh thank you Lord, thank you Lord. we magnify and glorify you Lord Jesus, you are worthy of all of you. Lord as we stand in your presence this morning, we are so grateful and so thankful presence we are hungry and we have a desire to know you better to love you more and to cooperate more fully with what you're trying to do in our lives and in this earth as we are part of it we ask you Lord right now that you administer to every person if there's anyone Lord here who does not know you as their Lord and Savior right now they would say, Jesus, I call upon you. Come into my life. I believe that you died for my sins and I believe that you rose again for my justification. The total price for my salvation has been paid. And so Father, I take Jesus as my Lord and my Savior and I'll serve you Whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching this program, make that declaration of faith. Tell somebody quickly today, before this day's over, Jesus is now my Lord. And Father, I also pray for those of us who are here that are your children. We know you, Lord. We've been born again. We've settled the issue for some of us long ago that we're going to heaven that we're Christians that we love you and that we live for you but I pray Father that there would be a hunger stirred on the inside of us a hunger to reach further go deeper to walk in the spirit to the degree whereby we move into the deeper things of God we hear accurately the voice of the Holy Spirit We know the way of the spirit, the move of the spirit, that we not grieve you, that we not despise what you say and what you lead us in doing. We ask for this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it, amen. You may be seated. As we said earlier, we're going to receive communion today, and I know this message was not a quote communion message traditionally but i also know that in this congregation that we are aware of what this is about we know that the bread represents for us the broken body of jesus christ and those elements are there in front of you in the seat if you just tear the top layer back you can get to the bread the second layer will get you to the juice we understand that First Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus in his own body took our infirmities and sicknesses and diseases. And, of course, that scripture corresponds with Isaiah 53. And that passage makes it clear that people at the moment when they saw Jesus crucified thought he was afflicted by God. He was stricken by God. They thought that his suffering was his own for himself. But we understand because of redemption and we understand because of the doctrine of substitution that Jesus on our behalf became sin with our sins and he became sick with our sicknesses. So in his own body he bore my sicknesses and yours. And 1 Peter 2 24 says by whose stripes ye were healed. Peter looked back. It was past tense by the time he spoke it. And it certainly is today. Our healing's already been bought and paid for. So as we receive this bread today, we do thank you, Father, for the great sacrifice that Jesus made. And we honor you today, Lord. And remember again that you died for us. Lord, it's it's for us a time of celebration f- about your birth because that was essential and it was miraculous but we also know Lord that you were born that you might die for us you were born with a purpose it wasn't an afterthought and so Lord we thank you that you came you were born but we also thank you that you died in our place and you became what we were so we can be what you are now child of God, accepted, a righteous new creature, and we thank you in the name of Jesus, we receive this bread now, amen. Lord, we hold this cup before you today, we know that this represents for us the shed blood of Jesus, the price for our redemption, the price for our sin debt to be paid, our sins to be remitted. The blood gives us access into the presence of the throne room of heaven. That blood is on the heavenly altar. And we're only able to come before you, Father, because of what Jesus has already done. We thank you for the blood. We thank you that there's healing in the blood, power in the blood, deliverance in the blood. You bought us. From slavery to sin and Satan, from spiritual death and darkness, you redeemed us from the curse of the law, that we might walk in the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we receive it now. Amen. Hallelujah. Sing all the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. day and tomorrow and next week I'm not exactly sure if we'll tag on to this or not. We'll just we'll see when we get there. Is that all right? I don't mean that to be lazy. I'm just uh, just trying to follow the Holy Spirit but I know there's some good things coming for this new year. and uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate all that you have done to make 2023 a success. all of those who serve all of those who work and do so many so many good things and do it with excellence. We appreciate it. We're going to see a few uh, uh, things going on pretty quickly after the first of the year. All of the floor will be recarpeted everywhere. The walls are all going to be repainted, a little bit of redecorating, and then we've got some painting and relighting that's going to be going on in a number of the classrooms over there, so it's going to be a busy start to the new year. We appreciate all of you who have given for these projects and who do give and so. We just thank God for all of you, Glenn, and I wish you a very, very. I started of said Merry Christmas; that's already done. We wish you a very happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> you dear.
1: Praise the Lord. As we go, let me pray with you, Lord. We thank you for this this word. We thank you for the impartation. We anticipate and we thank you for what's right ahead. Lord, we love you. Thank you for visiting us, loving us, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Happy New Year to you. We'll see you next year. God bless you.